Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jimmy, earlier you mentioned that Eddie gets free passes on the music reentry. Yes, Eddie, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. Uh, th- th- this song reminds Matt, Matt Booza just scored a touchdown at the RCA Dome, and they've been using this song as a touchdown song for the Colts for 40 years. Right? Yeah. I'm retiring this song along with using Jonathan Taylor. Do you want to explain the Jonathan Taylor Twiggy rules to Joel A. Erickson? Of course, Joel. How are you? What's going on? Not much. Just following the waiver wire like you are, my friend. We have new rules, though, in place here on Query and Company. We don't know how long these rules are going to last, but... An hour. <laughs> we had the opportunity to uh, interact with Twiggy the Water Skiing Squirrel when we were out at the Boone County Fairgrounds last Friday for the Hoosier Hardwood Festival. And we've decided now that we're putting a moratorium on Jonathan Taylor's name, and we were referring to him as Twiggy. Um, for the context of our listeners. So now you're up to speed whenever you hear us ask, hey, how is Twiggy feeling after all of this? Is that good? Is that a fair explanation? Yeah, I, I will try to keep up on it. I'll do my best. <laughs> so for you out of the gate then, were you as surprised as I was that Twiggy was still on the pup after all the dust cleared yesterday? Um. I can explain that if you want, but where my surprise was, just because it felt like that was, I don't want to say worst case scenario, but it it really puts more red flags up for me of, man, this must be a serious injury or a serious lingering thing with the ankle for both him and the Colts being willing to have him miss four games of the season. Well, obviously Mike Chappell reported that the Colts feel like the injury is not something there, which adds another layer to this whole thing. Um, the injury piece is the most mysterious of it. I think the least mysterious piece of it is that it kind of feels like a World War One battle at some level now where we're just sitting on either sides of a terrible field and no one is willing to come over to the other side and they're just going to keep doing this for however long. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm as tired of it as, as you guys are, and it just doesn't feel like there's any movement coming either way. Joel... Let's go over a few things that I think people are going to have questions about. And we've gone over a little bit of this, but I want clarification, okay? By going on to the pup list, Twiggy cannot play for the first four games regardless of what happens, correct? Correct. Okay. By going on the pup list and not being eligible to play for four games, Twiggy can still be traded, correct? Also correct. Okay. But his value, theoretically, in terms of what the Colts are hoping to acquire back for his services if they were to trade him, would theoretically be at least they would get market value or above, regardless of how that mar- what the market value is. They need people to see that he's healthy, right? I mean, that, so I guess my question is like, is there a conundrum here? In terms of if you are the Colts, the exact motivation of the pup list would be what? It's 
it's it's just to I guess it's just to continue the status quo. Honestly, like the the some of the other stuff that came out after the the move last night complicates everything. But it's just it's just a, a, a continuation of the status quo. I, I don't really know in terms of the motivation of the public. Like keeping him on there, if if they really believe he's healthy, which was reported and and not, then I don't necessarily understand keeping him on the pup list because that lends credence to the idea that he's still hurt. Uh, it doesn't necessarily help. Like you, like you said, it doesn't necessarily help his trade value, although there were teams interested despite the injury, so there's clearly something, um, you know, some reason for them to think that there's, uh, you know, a reason that he could be healthy soon. I don't. I don't know. They, keeping him on the pup list, it just feels like we're just going to stay in this space that we're in right now, rather than um, have the hard stuff happen. Joel, what position? When you looked at the final roster for the Colts, what position is the one that you're like, man? I they did not do enough here. Well, wide receiver for sure, since they only have four. I, that that is a total mystery to me. I, did they? And I look, the waiver wire is still, you know, they still may be sifting through it. There, there has to be more, right? They, they did not claim anybody on the waiver wire. Now, they can still sign people. They can still sign veteran help that was not subject to the waiver wire, but they did not claim anybody. They've claimed three people. Two of them were offensive linemen. I think we all could have guessed that and did. One was an outside linebacker. I haven't had a chance to really look at him yet, but I'm, I'm assuming he has special teams value. Um, no wide receivers were claimed. I assume they have to sign a, a, a receiver. I just don't, like, I don't know how you could go. Especially, I, I just reported that um, Jelani Woods may be going on injured reserve. Um, so it, the, the five tight ends might be four right away. Um, so I, I assume there's going to be a signing. The, 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 what they did at receiver this offseason, essentially, was they took a whole bunch of guys who played in the NFL with varying levels of success. Um, I mean, I shouldn't. Varying levels of success that did not equal like an actual, you know, you know, bona fide, like maybe could start type of player. And they gave all of them a chance to kind of get back into the NFL, recapture whatever they had, right? And they cut all of those guys. Uh, <laughs> they cut all, every single one of those guys. Um, so that, that plan didn't really work out. And now, now they have to make a signing. You can always find receivers – um, veteran receivers. Uh, I've I've been told that it's not likely that a couple of them will be back. I don't think James Washington will be back. I don't. I'm not. I don't think Vincent Smith is going to be back. Um, but they, even on the practice squad, they have they have to add like three wide receivers. I would think plus the guy that they have to add on the active roster. So that position, what they did at that position, like they they took a ton of flyers during the off season. Essentially, none of them worked out. Joel, on the Miami side of things in regards to the trade value and trade scenarios for Twiggy, Barry Jackson is one that I followed closely. <laughs> By the way, for those just joining the program, that is our nickname for Jonathan Taylor. I should probably throw that in. Yes. So we need that to but be. But thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate in, it. In the same way we yeah. introduce Joel A. Erickson, Colts right. beat writer for the Star, we also need to Audience clarify five minutes every few minutes. minutes or yes, so. okay. we, we need yes. to. Yeah. Tw- Tw- Twiggy is a forced pseudonym by Query and Company for Jonathan Taylor. I, I followed Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald Times a lot in terms of 
his reporting along with yours and Stevens and, and Mike's for the duration of the last couple of weeks. And he had mentioned that from his Dolphins people he talked to, Finns wanted to do a deal on their terms. Of course, that's language that any team is going to say. But he referenced Indy wanted the sky and the moon. In your reporting, I'm not asking you to, to report on what Barry is reporting, but on, on your reporting on this front, was there anything close to what the Colts were looking for in terms of trade conversations with either Miami or the mystery team that was Green Bay? And if not, was the sky and moon that's being alluded to a first round pick? Was it just counter offers that involved players that teams weren't willing to move from? Uh, where, if anything, was revealed in terms of the true bar the Colts had in these negotiations on your end? I don't have this, but I've seen several people throw out that Jalen Model was a request at one point, which is that's yeah, nope, probably a non-starter if if there was ever any. <laughs> um, and if that's if that's where they were, I mean, trying to think about you know the Packers are reportedly the second team. I'm trying to think of what the the analog there is. Like, did they ask for Christian Watson? Like, I, I don't. <laughs> um, you know that that these are really really big asks. Um, that I don't think you would expect to really get. Not, I mean, even if you just look at the Christian McCaffrey deal, I don't think you got anything that approximates what Jalen Waddle would get on the open market. So it, it does seem like they were looking for an awful lot in a market that is probably not going to give that up for a running back for the same reasons that they probably are not going to pay their that, – probably that the, for the same reasons they're not going to pay their running back. Joel, have you ever seen the movie? Uh, Joel, have you ever seen the movie? Joel A. Erickson is our guest. Have you ever seen the movie Major League, the original one? I know it's like 30 years old. Oh, uh, no. I've seen it like every year for the entirety of like since I was eight. Filmed in Milwaukee, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's Bob Bob Euchre's. um, Like, sadly, that's what most people remember Euchre for. No, you're right. Absolutely. Just a bit outside, for sure. (laughs) So in, in the movie, I was reminded of Major League. I'm going to give you a trivia question then, Joel Erickson. If you have seen the movie Major League, which I would assume that the vast majority of our listening audience has seen the movie Major League, okay? Yesterday when the final roster was set, and I shouldn't say final because we know there are tweaks to it, but when the Colts made their cuts and you go on Colts.com and you click on roster and you can click on depth chart, I actually, in my mind, immediately thought of a scene from the movie Major League. Now, I hate to put you on the spot, Joel, and create the potential of awkward dead air on radio by asking you (laughs) if you can guess which scene I'm referencing, but I'm going to do exactly that at this point. What scene or what line am I referencing that I thought of from Major League as the Colts yesterday made their final cuts and solidified you know, preliminarily their roster. Uh, is it the is it the line? I'm not going to get the line right, but is it the line about? Um, it's a full of like never wases and has beens and that 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 scene. <laughs> I got a guy on line two about some white walls. No, <laughs> here's here's what it was, Joel. It was the uh, the the guard the the grounds crew guys. Like, after spring training, the grounds crew guys are, like, oh, putting in home okay, plate, yeah. and one of them's like, who are these guys? I've never heard of these guys. Yeah. I, yeah. Listen, I don't I don't nuance, admittedly, by my own admission. I mean, yeah, I was out there at Grand Park. I mean, how many times did you see me? People say that I don't go out there. How many times was I out there? Like, eight, probably ten. 
Yeah, you're out there. And, and I, morning times. You know, and I watch the preseason games and everything else. But I will admit, I'm not saying that it means that they're bad players. But there seem to be a higher percentage of guys on this roster than I can recall in years past where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not overly familiar with what this guy can do. That's not to say he can't play. But it seemed to me to be very underwhelming in terms of its overall depth. Tell me well, I'm wrong. Just, just to underscore underscore what you're saying, the, the four now they, they have claimed two players on the offensive line, so that's that's going to change. But the four players that that were the the backups on the offensive line had combined for one career start when that was released yesterday. The cornerbacks, outside of Kenny Moore, who we all know, uh, the cornerbacks had 174 snaps among all of them. The the safeties, Julian Blackman, heading into the final year of his rookie deal, is the old man of that group. The others are all in their second season. And, and I think Colts fans know them, but they're, they're in their second season. Like, this is a very young group. This is not a very established group. Some of the guys who, ha- who are somewhat established, you have, are, are if it's been one year and you want to see it again. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're taking a lot of risks and, and trying to – and hoping something comes out of uh, a bunch of guys who don't necessarily have the track record. I think that's completely fair to say. Yep. So when they, so what player is now kind of on the bubble, you know, as they go through or what positions are on the bubble as they go through and they find players that they want to claim from elsewhere to put on their roster, it probably comes at the sake of where, I mean, I know you mentioned like the tight end position, if you, if you go to IR there, but where else do they have flexibility to be able to maneuver around some pieces? Well, they've claimed two offensive linemen, and I, I don't think that they're going to keep 11. So I would assume that a couple, like somebody is going to get bad news there. Um, they had six linebackers. They claimed one. It seems like, in theory, you could keep seven, but it seems unlikely because they play special teams, but it seems unlikely, so that might be another spot. The one-for-ones on some of that stuff is, is obvious. If you if you bring in a wide receiver, maybe that makes up for a you know a, an IR decision, whether that's Jelani Woods or somebody else. Um, there's probably a defensive tackle that you don't really feel great about because DeForest Buckner already plays 75% of the snaps and Dayo Adengbo and Taekwon Lewis and Adetama Adabare all play defensive tackle at least on passing downs and they kept five of those guys so I think that that's probably a spot that you don't feel great about if you're a an agent of a player who's on that in, on that bubble um, that there, that's some of the spots that there's there's surpluses or, or obvious places that they might make a move. Do you think the Colts defensive line uses the most letters for last names of any team in the league? <laughs> that's a great question. It's got to be close, right? I mean, the, maybe, you have like you've maybe, got maybe, but Quiddy, but Quiddy Pay is bringing down the average considerably. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. That's fair. Um, Taven Bryan also bringing down the average. Uh, there's no like there's I, I I would need to know if there's like an NFL defensive lineman version of Christian Encarnacion Strand. How, how about this? <laughs> how about this? Does the Colts defense have the most random use of vowels in terms of the last names on the back of jerseys of any team in the league? Well, in terms of random, that depends on what cultural setting we're in. I, I, of course. <laughs> I mean, that, that, you know what I mean, but like. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, they they have a, they have a lot of players who have, um, you know, 
names that I guess would not be necessarily familiar to. Hey, man, I mean, in, in all honesty, Joel. Old sections of America? Is that the right way to well, put this it? Well, is, this is a good thing about it, to be honest with you. It shows, and I, I applaud this, as we have said a million times, in the NFL, if you can play, they're going to find you. You know what I mean? The stories, the backgrounds, the 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 areas where guys are coming from, um, whether it be international, national, whatever it might be, small schools, big schools, the roster is made up of all corners because if you can play in the National Football League, they are going to find you. Right, right. No, I mean, well, and, and, you know, the other thing is I think that there is a um, a clear – I think if you look not just with the Colts but around football, there is um, a group of either first-generation or second-generation African families from different parts Correct. of Africa that right. are playing a lot of football now. Um, and you're starting to see that kind of everywhere. And – you know, I think that that's, that's probably a good thing, too. Oh, totally. I mean, Quiddy Pay's a great example of an awesome mm-hmm. story, right? I mean, just of the background and his mother and all of it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fantastic stories, no question about it. Um, but I want to get back to, Joel, I, I just – I am – honestly, like, I, I guess maybe I'm, I'm overstating, but I, I quite frankly was just stunned at – when you have a quarterback in Anthony Richardson that you are trying to develop, it would seem to me that what you need to do in developing him is doing everything you can to build him as many weapons around as possible. And to and I know that they're going to add to it theoretically, but they just are so th- – I mean, not only do they, Joel, only have four receivers right now, but how many of them are reliable you absolutely know on Sunday going to play and be reliable targets for him? Two? I mean, I think Downs could be a good player, but he's but but at no fault of Downs. I mean, Alec Pierce last year was inconsistent as a rookie. Reggie Wayne is a rookie. A lot of people, you know, were like wondering how long he was even going to last, and then obviously he took off in his second year, and we know what happened. But receiver takes a while, man. It takes a while, and you got not one but two guys that are still young and getting their footing. I mean, how many times can they throw to Michael Pittman? I I mean I I think that's I think that's completely fair. It's one of the things that that people have brought up with the Bears and Justin Fields. You know, how much of how much of what he hasn't done passing wise is Justin Fields and how much of it is what the Bears haven't given him. The Bears haven't given him a good offensive line. You know, I think the Colts would say that they're pretty optimistic about their offensive line, the starters, but they they made two claims um already on on the backup part of it and you can't expect to, all those starters to play every game. We've we've all said that over and over again. You know, 2019 happened and everyone played every game and that was crazy and it's not going to happen again for another 30 years or whatever, you know? So it, it not bringing in the experience depth, not having the experience depth on the offensive line. I, I think all that stuff is very fair. I mean, I, we, we were going through uh, uh, myself and Nate Atkins on the cover two podcast that we were doing, we were going through the reasons that you would not start Anthony Richardson. And I, you know, I thought that the, uh, the, the the best one, the one that I that I could make the case for the easiest was the team is not ready for him. You know, the team around him is not ready for him to start because they can't provide him that kind of support. I thought that that, that might be the one that we end up looking back on and going, that, that could be an issue going forward. I, I agree with you. Totally agree with that, that, that take on it. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, 
Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Joel Erickson with us, covers the Colts for the Indy Star. Joel, what in your mind was the biggest reason that Darius Rush was waived? Uh, he hasn't been, I think more than anything, it just, he hasn't, he was hurt a lot. He wasn't on the field. He had the big interception, but he also had a play in the next preseason game that he got beat. I think there were some on the practice field too. Um, I will say, I will say he's been claimed by the Chiefs already. Um, he's, he's already gone. The, 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 picking him where you did in the fifth round, I, I would I would like to have I maybe would have liked to have hung on to him and seen what he seen if if he could develop a little longer, especially with what the coaching staff said about his ball skills and how they need to have more interceptions and how they didn't have that. Um, you know, he's a fifth round pick. You're not. So I wonder if there was something preparation-wise they didn't like or whatever. But, I mean, the skill set was clearly there, and he did have natural ball skills. Ron Miles said that even in the few amount of snaps he was out there in the spring, he had four picks. So what we saw against Buffalo was something that they that he had in his profile. I, I would have liked to have seen them hang on to him longer. That's just me. If we're speculating slightly more, let's not use Jalen Waddle, but let's just say the Colts were looking for a wide receiver in these trades, just for the sake of argument, for Twiggy and for those of you just joining us, Twiggy is the surname for Jonathan, or the surname right. rather for Jonathan Taylor. Um, does that kind of put a bow on where the wide receiver room is that they would be shooting for a starting level wide receiver in trade negotiations, or is that reading too far into it? I mean, they weren't going to get one, right? So but they're looking; they're, they're reportedly plan, looking, if that's right? Plan. It's a bad. If that's the plan, it's a bad plan. I agree. <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine that that was the actual plan. I, I would bet. I would bet that just based on on their on his history, I would bet that later when when I and the other reporters talked to Chris Ballard, that he says he likes the receiving room better than we do. I would almost guarantee you that as well. Now, now does he say that organically, or does he just replay the tape of the last six years when he's been saying that? <laughs> I, I, I'll just put it this way: I think it's right at the tip of his tongue. Instead of the word "wide receiver," does he start it with "look"? Probably. Look, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys are always killing me about the receiver room, but I, I just, you know, I can't do a, a, a Chris Ballard. But you there's a little W saying. in there. I, I just that is correct. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, Joel. Let me ask you this question: this directly. Do we have enough body of work now to say that we are confident in Chris Ballard's ability to build a roster? I mean, they were four and twelve and one last year after six years. So, I would say if he didn't have confidence, that would be understandable. 
I, I think that this is a re- like drafting Richardson, hiring Steichen, and is, is kind of ended up being a reset for for, for Ballard. Zero I question think. about that, and I give him credit. I thought I, I thought last year, Joel, I applaud the fact that I thought for the first time he showed some humility and transparency of basically saying, "Guys, look, I, I made some mistakes," and I think that's all people wanted to hear, right? Yeah, um, but in terms of in terms of well, and the other thing is, I think some of the stuff that people have wanted to see hasn't happened yet and I, I think that the, the answer to that is probably that the Colts feel like they're they're trying to tread water and rebuild a little bit um well well they see what they have with Richardson but ultimately I don't think that necessarily anything that happened this offseason would make Colts fans feel like they've seen a, a huge difference in the way he operates um maybe I mean honestly maybe uh, I was about to say that maybe the way they're handling the running back uh is 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 a sign of is a sign of change given that they've handed out these extensions to everybody else, including players who are injured and they're not doing it to him. Um but that to me is the biggest one so far in, in terms of how they've operated is is that at least in terms of the changes he said he would make. Joel, is the bar being a first round pick based on you mentioned the McCaffrey trade earlier and there wasn't a first rounder involved there and I, I kind of think that McCaffrey impacts the game in a more variety of ways than Jonathan Taylor does if the bar was a first round pick or if the deadline was fake which I kind of think it is if a good enough offer arrives they'll make the trade but if the bar was a first round pick is it safe to say that that was never going to get traction around the league anyway I mean, I, I would say the entire offseason has said it even more than the McCaffrey thing. Because I, I would guess that, that you, I, I think you can make a credible case that McCaffrey's injury history was much worse than Taylor's. I agree. Um, and the age and, and tread on, on McCaffrey. I mean, he had a 100 catches one season in addition to all his carries. Like, you could, I think you can make it, I think you can make that case pretty. In terms of, like, the comps you would make, in term in a trade or a contract or something like that, I think that that's a pretty credible argument. Um, but just just look at like the Vikings couldn't trade Delvin Cook. Um, everything that's happened with the the the, the we're, we're just at a a I, it it feels like a bottoming out point for running backs. I mean, maybe it could go lower. Maybe there's an alternate reality where. In five years, running back franchise tags are, are essentially the same as a specialist franchise tag, which would be crazy. Um, but it's not as far off as it see as you would think uh, right now. Um, I mean, you think about like the franchise tag for running backs right now is ten point one million. Uh, Matt Gay signed the, I believe, second biggest contract for a kicker behind Justin Tucker's making six million. Matt Gay is making five point three average per year. That's that's not as big a gap as you would think. <laughs> Um, in terms of where those salaries are. So maybe it can get even further down, but it, it does feel like we're at the bottom of what teams are willing to do at the running back position. Joel, who's your favorite Cleveland Indian in the movie Major League? Oh, I, uh, I'm i a, I'm a Serrano guy. That bingo. That, that he, No question. This guy a, hits it a ton. I'm Why a, didn't anybody else sign him? And and as a, as a longtime Brewer fan, like there were a lot of guys – in in Brewers past, like starting with like Rob Deer and Chris Carter was there for a little while, and Richie Sexton. There's been a lot of like super powerful guys who maybe couldn't hit breaking pitches that well. 
Like, there's there's a special place in my heart for those guys. So, yeah, definitely a Serrano guy. Serrano was great. I, there's no question about it, right? Um, yeah. Now, the Lou Brown was pretty cool, though, right? I mean, we can agree oh, to that. Oh, the manager's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Forget yeah. about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. Yeah. yeah. Un- unbelievable. I mean, and, and I I was a catcher when I played, and so, obviously, Jake Taylor – I have some questions about the way Jake Taylor handles handles his personal life. A little stalkerish, but <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the he didn't know when to he didn't know when to let it go, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anytime you give me a catcher in a movie talking to a batter, like it's that's just you're just that's red meat for me. Like I could watch that all day. You could make a whole movie. That's just a game of a of a catcher like picking on batters, and I would watch that. Was the manager's it. name major? What was the man? Was it, it was Lou Moore, wasn't it? I thought you were right with Lou Brown. Lou Brown, that's what I meant. Lou Lou Moore was yeah, a basketball yeah. player. Lou Brown, yeah, um, yeah. Who who played him? J and B would know this immediately. I don't know because I, I, I always know. I should know that. Because here's the thing: so Lou Brown was played by James Gammon. I'm looking at it right here, right? Uh, okay. Would it, it conf- I would be confused because I get easily confused between, you know, forget about the curveball, Ricky, give him the heater. I get confused between that and that's my diabetes. So, <laughs> like I get him confused with Wilford Brimley. And by the way, I can ta- I can say this now since Wilford Brimley's no longer with us. I will tell you that I had a friend in college that worked at a um, resort out in the one of the Mountain West states. And, you know, it was one of these big resorts where people go, and he worked in the kitchen staff, and he got paid, like, triple time one week because they're like, yeah, um, a nudist colony has rented out the the resort. <laughs> and so, you know, he's, like, making omelets for naked people in the morning, and one of them was Wilford yeah. Brimley. And he said, <laughs> Wilford Brimley said to him, I'm going to assume that you're not going to say anything about this, and I won't either. And that was it. <laughs> My buddy's like, sure. Did you want uh, mushrooms on that? <laughs> <laughs> True story. Just thought I'd share. I hope Wilford Brimley's not no longer with us, or else I could be in for a, some. Yeah, he died in 2010. He did. Yeah. Okay. Did you look that well, up, or did you know that? I mean, in today's day and age, in today's day and age, you can't like if you're a celebrity and you say, "I assume this isn't going to get out there." You should know that you're you're going to get. Well, out Well, you you know what he ordered to eat, don't you? A naked burrito. Just so you know. <laughs> All right. Well. Joel, I'm sure you've been thrilled to have spent this better part of your afternoon with us, but we appreciate it. Oh, that was a fantastic ending. I really enjoyed the ending of that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it. I uh, look forward to talking to you again, man. Be bu- I know it's going to be a busy couple days here with the roster set, so I appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Inside the DriveHero.com studios on Query and Company, Jimmy Cook, Jake Query, Eddie Garrison guiding us throughout the afternoon. We continue our Jonathan Taylor conversations from a national perspective now as we shift gears towards Sports Illustrated. 
One of our favorites, Matt Verderam, nice enough to take some time with us here on The Fan. Matt, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much, as always, for making the time. I want to go straight to JT with this because you had reacted to it like the rest of us did on Twitter yesterday with no trade materializing. And you referenced on Twitter, which you can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Verderam, the fact that the days of middling money to backs are gone even at that stretch and most teams aren't going to trip over themselves giving a top 50 pick before having to pay market setting money to a running back. When you look at all of that from your perspective, what's the next step moving forward for Jonathan Taylor, knowing that he's on the pup to start the year, knowing that any team that was to trade for him after the Colts superimposed deadline isn't going to have him for four games? I mean, his next step is acceptance because he's not getting traded if the Colts continue to ask for a really high price. It's not going to happen. Like, look around the NFL. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, two of the best running backs in the league, tagged, and they're going to get tagged again next year because the tag is meager compared to most other positions. There's no reason in the world Giants and the Raiders aren't going to tag those guys again if they have good seasons. Austin Eckler has led the league over the last two years in touchdowns. Didn't even sniff an extension. Jonathan Taylor is a great player. But if the Colts are going to sit there and demand Jalen Waddell in return, it's not happening. They're not even going to get near some kind of a trade. If they want a top 50 level pick back, they're not getting that because whatever team gives that up then has to pay Jonathan Taylor market-setting money. Nobody was willing to pay anybody market-setting money, and that doesn't include giving up a big-time draft pick. So if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm trying to drive the best bargain I can within the organization, but that's going to be tough because the Colts are just going to sit there and say, well, negotiations start off of what two tags are going to cost, and two tags for a running back, not that expensive. And Matt, I have been saying for a while now that I'm convinced, and I'm curious your perspective on it, because I think sometimes we can get caught like in our own snow globe, right? Of of not not looking at it like from outside perspectives. It is my opinion that the Colts, in terms of this entire exercise of Jonathan Taylor being allowed to go out and seek a trade that it was the Colts proving to Jonathan Taylor that what the market value is it was less about them actually legitimately thinking they were going to get a first round pick or Jalen Waddle or whatever else and more about them trying to hammer home to Jonathan Taylor and his representation exactly what the market value is I think there's truth in that we saw that happen earlier this offseason with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore where the Ravens gave him a non-exclusive tag and said, go ahead, find the deal. Have fun. It's not going to happen. And I think, too, look, we live in a day and age where every sport is, is increasingly different than the others. You know, in the NBA, you demand a trade. You get one the following week in a lot of cases. And where do you want to go? We'll send you that. That is not the NFL. These teams don't care. If they don't want to trade you, they're not going to do it. It doesn't you're not going to pressure these teams for the most part into making a move. And I thought, you know, with, with Taylor, he's a tremendous talent. But the Colts are looking at this going, why would we trade you? We need you to help develop Anthony Richardson because the wide receivers outside of Pittman are very unproven and green. 
And the offensive line was a disaster last year, hopefully better this year, but it remains an open question. So if I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm Jim Mercy, I'm looking at this going, I'm not going to trade you unless we easily win the trade because we can just tag you the next couple of years. And you can be unhappy and you can be miserable. What are you going to do? You're going to retire? Because unless you retire, you're going to be here. And so I just think if I'm, if I'm Taylor, if I'm his representation, I am trying to get the best deal possible out of the Colts, and I'm living with that, or I'm looking at the reality of, yeah, sure, maybe I can eventually force my way out of here. It's going to be hard. It's not going to just be a snap of the fingers, and I think the Colts are banking on that as, as part of the strategy. Matt, in terms of the Colts themselves, you know, Jim Irsay, we played it a gabillion times when he was talking about the Colts' record over the 2000s, and he said, like, in the upper quartile of upper quartiles, we're in the top 2%. It was He lost everybody in the mathematics there. But <laughs> in terms of quartiles of the NFL, and I know that you're not sitting and scouring over every single roster, you know, the day after, but just at the at the eye test, the Colts' roster appears to you to be in which quartile of the NFL right now? The bottom line. The bottom line. And, and part of that is because they have a rookie head coach and they have a rookie quarterback, who, by the way, I spent time. I went to the Colts' training camp. I was there. It was one of my stops on my camp tour. And I spoke with Coach Steichen for a while after practice. I think that Steichen and Richardson long-term could be a very, very good partnership. Steichen had immense success coaching Justin Herbert as a rookie, coaching Jalen Hurts his first couple of years. Like, I think – Steichen, to me, is the perfect fit for him. And Richardson, watching that kid, the only question I have is can he get his accuracy to a respectable level, which is something he struggled with in high school and he struggled with in college. If he can do that, he's got all the tools in the world, I think mental and physical. Um, But this year, look, it's going to be a struggle. They simply don't have the weaponry, especially with Taylor out right now, to compete with a lot of these teams in the AFC who, let's face it, in the AFC, you're going to have teams that are ninth, 10th in the conference standings who are really good teams. Just don't make playoffs because it's so loaded. I think Indianapolis defensively, I mean, how much are you getting out of Shaq Leonard? Is he, is he healthy for the full year? Buckner and, and Stewart are excellent up front. Um, but you have questions in the secondary. I think it's a year where look, the Colts are probably going to struggle. I don't expect them to win many games. But if Steichen and Richardson look like a pairing that's going to be really good moving forward, that's far more important than whether or not they win four games or seven games. I, I don't think in the end that really matters. Just tell me how good the coach and quarterback is going to be. I'm sure the Colts have a grander plan here, Matt, but if they were to call you today and say, hey, we just cut a wide receiver in Isaiah McKenzie, who we acquired this offseason, and are now down to three wide receivers in Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce in his second year, and Josh Downs, a rookie, for our rookie quarterback, we need to fix this from a depth perspective. What would your advice be? I, I think, look, you got to just try and churn the, the, the bottom part of that, that room the best you can. Like, I, at some point, the Colts have to invest in their receiver room in a way that they just haven't for years now. Um, I feel like every year from a national perspective, you look at the Colts and you see their cap space and go, yeah, they got out of receiver, and then they don't. Um, I think, number one, they've got to get Pittman – Locked up long term because Pittman can play. The problem is going to be much like I think it is in Buffalo with Gabe Davis. 
they're probably not like you don't look at either one of those guys. Go that guy's a surefire, no doubt about it. Number one, although yeah. I think Pittman with a top end quarterback could be. Um, but they're probably thinking the free agency they're going to get paid like it. So you have this weird like, are you willing to overpay Pittman a little bit to keep him from hitting the market? If I were the Colts, I would be because you have a quarterback on a rookie deal for the next five years. Um, I think at some point though, the Colts have to just say, "Hey, look, we've got to invest." And going out and getting another receiver. Like, if T. Higgins hits the market after this year, go out and pay him. Like even if it means overpaying him by a couple million dollars, so what? Cap's going to go up every year. You've got to put guys around Richardson. You know, maybe Alec Pierce takes the jump. Maybe Downs comes in, he's great as a rookie. That's all possible. But if I'm Ballard, outside of fixing the offensive line and making sure that is reinforced, I'm looking at this team the next couple of years and saying, look, I want to be good everywhere. That's the goal every GM has. I've got to protect Richardson first, and I've got to get him some guys who make him better. And to me, if you can add that top-tier receiver, I, I think that's probably my number one priority outside of their offensive line moving forward. You know, Pittman, I want to go back to that, Matt, because I, I agree with you. I, I think Pittman's a really good player, and and I he's really yeah. important, I think, as a safety net, right, and a good – a bit. every young quarterback needs that, that – reliable comfort level target for for me with Pittman and I want you, your thoughts on this Pittman is worth extending not just because he's a really good player but I feel like his shelf life is going to be longer than the average receiver because he makes really difficult catches so once as inevitably happens with receivers he starts to lose the step that allows him automatic separation he still has shown like Reggie Wayne did later in his career that he can kind of reinvent as a possession guy as opposed to somebody who has that separation because he can catch balls in traffic does that make sense what I'm saying at all yeah, I agree with you. I think that's true. And, and look, with Pittman, like you can make the argument, well, is he a number one? Is he a really good number two? I would argue if you gave him a really good quarterback, he'd be a, a very quality number one receiver. Like they, he's never played with anybody. Of like Carson Wentz and then last year's debacle. Like to me, if you gave Michael Pittman somebody who, obviously the Colts are hoping they're doing that right now, and Richardson, who, who is the upper echelon talent, I think Pittman could be fantastic. I think he could be a Pro Bowl-level guy, a guy who you'll look at and go, okay, maybe he could put up 1,300 yards, something like that. Their problem has been there's very seldom been anybody on their side of him, and there hasn't been a quarterback. I just think if you're Ballard, you have to accept in a negotiation to extend him, like, look, he's probably going to get a little more than you think he's worth. That's just reality. Because rece- unlike the running back market, the receiver market has boomed. You're going to pay him a lot of money. Like T. Higgins, I mentioned him earlier. I use him as an example again. He hits free agency. He's getting $25 million a year. It's going to happen. Like, I, I don't know who it's coming from, but he's getting it. So, like, if the Bengals want to keep T. Higgins, you better pay him that now. They better give him four and a He's not going to sign it, and he shouldn't sign it. If I'm, if I'm looking at Pittman, okay, I'm not giving him 25 I know it's probably costing me twenty. It, it's just going to. Christian Kirk got a massive deal in free agency and by the way it went out and played well and you know what i was gonna say matt that was a good signing for them because that goes back to for trevor lawrence christian kirk became that safety net that allowed him to finally get his footing in his rhythm and i just think too you know if you're a colts fan look who cares if you overpay some of these guys over the next two three four years richardson's on a rookie deal if there's ever a time to just say fine 
doesn't matter. Maybe his market value in our head is $18 million a year. So what if he gets 20 What does it matter? You're saving a fortune because you're paying Richardson an incremental deal compared to what most teams are paying even average quarterbacks. So I look at it and say, the next handful of years, if you're on the fence, if you're Ballard, and you're like, well, this guy might want a million more and we're willing to give, give it to him. It doesn't matter. It'll matter in four or five years when Richardson at that point is probably making about 65 a year if he's really good. But right now, no reason not to just say, you know what, fine, we'll pay the tax a little bit, we'll lock him up. Matt Verderam with us, covers the NFL at large for SI.com. Matt, I know that JT has a four-game head start on this or four-game edge because he's on the pup, but who takes the field first in 2023? Kansas City's Chris Jones or Jonathan Taylor? It's a good question. I think Chris Jones will, but that has gotten a lot uglier than I, I think most of us anticipated that it would. Um, there was a general thought amongst people I spoke to that, okay, August 1st, like, it, it'll be figured out. Well, we're almost at September 1st, and they're really not even moving on that whole thing. I, I think at this point, Look, I understood throughout the summer, if you're Chris Jones, you're saying, okay, hey, listen, I can pay the fine. I don't want to go to camp. I'm going to make a point. I get that. I, I don't blame him. I do think, though, now, he doesn't show up for these games. I think you're really starting to hurt yourself. It's a little bit of the old, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face thing. Because if you're the Chiefs, what do you really care? As great of a player as he is, you're sitting there going, all right, well, We'll, we'll probably still beat Detroit, even though Detroit I think is going to be very good this year. Probably still going to beat Chicago in Week Three and Minnesota in Week Five and the Broncos in Week. Like, I just think if you're if you're Kansas City, you're going okay. He's not going to get hurt. And oh, by the way, next year his his tag number if he misses and he's threatened seven games. If he misses seven games, his tag number drops from thirty three point six to twenty three and a half. Like, if you're the Chiefs. <laughs> You're taking that trade. <laughs> like, that sounds great. And the other part of that is, like, he, you know, it's been reported, well reported, he wants $30 million a year. If you're Kansas City, if you start missing all these games and that cap number keeps going down next year, why would you pay him that? You just tag him. So it's, I think if you're Jones, you got to drive the hardest bargain you can over the next eight days and sign if you want your maximum value. Because after that, I think it's just going to get increasingly harder for him to ever get the money back that he's leaving on the table right now. Matt Verderam is our guest. He's an NFL writer for SI Now. That's Sports Illustrated, of course. Matt, last question before we let you go. I am curious, as you looked around the league, and I know that one training camp does not by any stretch a career or even a season make, but there was so much talk here in Indy heading into the draft. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Of those three, the one that most showed flash to you that looks like they're going to be a player is which, and the one that clearly needs the most work is which? So I did eight training camp stops, and I saw nine teams. The Colts were one of them. I did the whole Midwestern tour, so based outside Chicago. I didn't see Stroud or Young in person, but I will say this. I saw Richardson. Richardson, to me, if if they can get his accuracy to where it needs to be, I, I would take that kid out of the three of them all day and twice on Sunday. I, I felt that way going into the draft. I felt that way even more watching him up close and in person. 
I would say that if any quarterback I saw outside of Mahomes, he had the, as much physical talent as any. But now I, Burrow was was out. He was hurt with his calf by the time I got to Cincinnati. But he was Richardson. The movement in the pocket, the ability to throw the ball, I, I thought was was spectacular. I would say on the other end of it, it's hard to really give an answer other than to say that look, Bryce Young, I think, is in a tough spot in Carolina. I, I love that he's with Frank Wright. I love that he's got some veteran receivers around him. I just worry about his size, and that line was a disaster this summer. Like, that is the combination that would scare me the most. I think in Houston, Stroud, look, it's going to be a learning curve, but I think he's going to be good. If Young is protected, I think he can be good, but that, that is just that is the part of that that really scares me in Carolina. He's Matt Verderim, covers the NFL for SI Now. Matt, always good to have you on. Looking forward to catching up as the season unfolds, and thanks again for making the time. No problem. Take care.